Under the Hood <laughs> with Jonathan Hood. Tip crushes this ball. He throws the bat. The ball goes flying and it's gone. Under the Hood, behind the scenes, nobody really sees. Jonathan Hood. I'm hot. Trubisky, Robinson, Allen Robinson, touchdown Bears! Back with the interception, and Mack will take it all the way in for a touchdown. A lot of this is behind the scenes or under the hood. The mark in it. Oh! He didn't come for the massage, he came for the fight show. Oh, baby! Woo! Jonathan Hood. Oh, man! Put a body on that man, please! Breaks the hole, Swift got running room, Swift got a go! 30, 20, 10! Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. I'm the man. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Welcome in. Hour number three of Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. I'm Chris Black along with Adam Abdallah singing for Jonathan Hood tonight. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam A. Abdallah and at Chris Bleck. We are live from the First Midwest Bank Studios on State Street in downtown Chicago. We are here till 10 o'clock tonight. We are open for business and your phone calls at 312-332-3776. Or you can tweet at us. We will get back to you on Twitter. We will hear from Ryan Pace in about five minutes right here on ESPN 1000. Adam, as we take a look at what the Bears have done so far at training camp and things have gotten off to a great start. The kicking situation, Trubisky looks okay. The defense looks awesome. Everything coming together at the start of camp for, oh, Bears, Chris, for the Chicago everything Bears. everything is sunshine, puppy dog kisses, and lollipops. There's no bad play whatsoever. There's only been a few missed kicks. The kicking situation is solved by all accounts. Running backs are catching it is passes. It's not solved, but running, they're kicking Running well. backs are catching passes. It's a new day. It's a new Chicago Bears team. I was on the Action Network earlier today, and I saw this article. How predictive are NFL win totals of playoff likelihood? And you say, okay, let's think about this. What are the Bears heading into this season? So we all know the Bears win total in Vegas right now sits at the Bears at nine and a half victories. Are you going to go over or under? Right now it's at nine and a half for this season, wins in this season for the Chicago Bears. Well, Chris, it depends on where you look. You're on sportsbook.ag right now. That says nine and a half. If you go by the Action Network, they have nine for the Bears right now. And that's kind of, uh, there's a big difference in that because what the Action Network did is they went through the win totals and saw what percent of them that went over their win total made the playoffs. And they did this for every team since 2002 when the NFL expanded to 32 teams. And they started and they went through. So if you if the Bears have nine and a half, if their number is nine and a half, the percent of teams that went over nine and a half that made the playoffs, 53.8% of those teams that went over nine and a half made the playoffs. Yeah, which, if, which sounds right, right? If it's nine, 44.3% of those teams that went over nine wins made the playoffs. Right. And what we're looking at here is you're on that cut line of nine wins. Are you a wild card team or 10 wins? Are you a wild card team? Or can you win a division with Mm -hmm. nine or 10 wins? Mm -hmm. And that's where you get that interesting uh, divide of the 53% to the 44%. Because if you're at the nine win line heading into the season, Mm -hmm. 44% isn't a great situation. If you look at it that way, like, 
We here in Chicago assume the nine and a half or the nine, whatever that number is for the win total for the Bears, the expectations are this team can get to the Super Bowl. But if you look since 2002, the teams that have uh, a win total of nine wins heading into the season, there have been 61 of those teams, and only 44% of them made the playoffs. I'm just going to look at the middle. Like It's it's about 50% for nine or nine and a half. Yeah. The Bears in some places are nine. In some places, they're nine and a half. I'm just going to say that they're at 50%. 50%, it's a coin flip of whether or not the Bears are going to make uh, going to make the playoffs. I think they're going to go over. I think they. I think they're a ten win team. I have it like right at ten, depending on injuries, and we all say that depending on injuries. But basically, this seems like a ten win team. Do they take a step back in wins from last year? Yeah, but they play a tougher schedule. Does that mean that they won't be successful and that Mitch won't play better and they can still win the division? No, that's not what it means. It just means that they're playing tougher opponents, but they could still win over nine and a half games. They can win ten or eleven games and still make the playoffs that way. Six teams head into this season. The Patriots, the Chiefs, the Rams, the Saints, the Colts, and the Eagles all have win totals over 10 or more games for the 2019 season. Based on the odds maker expectations, fans of those franchises should feel pretty good about their playoff chances. In recent history, however, it tells us that teams that are not a lock for the postseason are the teams that are looking at uh, lower than those odds. So in 2018, six teams again entered the season with a win total of 10 or more games, but three of them failed to miss to failed to make the playoffs. Those teams were the Steelers, the Packers, and the Vikings. So hanging into the season, even though you have a high win total, chances are you probably will make the playoffs. I know we always talk about parity in the NFL, but from the research since 2002, if you are a team that's projected a win total of 11, 11 and a half, 12 wins. Those teams go on to make the playoffs. Those teams usually don't completely fall out and and don't even sniff the playoffs. Would you like to know who those teams are for this year? Give me those teams. Those would be the Patriots have a win total of 11. The Chiefs have 10 and a half. The Rams have 10 and a half. The Saints have 10 and a half. The Colts have 10 and a half. Or the Colts have 10. Sorry, the Colts have 10 and the Eagles have 10. You those know, I read those six teams to start. Yeah, this, I know. Right? I'm okay. just, I'm just, right. re- just, re- just making sure that you're just following up and you're not just correcting. Yeah, yeah. no, no, no. I'm, re- I'm renaming it for the people so they could go in and bet those teams to make the playoffs because yeah. we just said it's a great bet. Yeah, it is. I'm Absolutely. reiterating for the people. And so when you take a look at this and what does it mean for the Chicago Bears? Nine and a half, nine. You said 50% based on the two different numbers, mm-hmm. nine and a half or, or nine, wherever it falls, you have 53% to 44%. Uh, half make the playoffs. Um, which leads me to the point of if you're looking at this as a Bears fan, you assume they're going to make the playoffs. Is there anyone sitting around saying they're not going to make the playoffs right now as we, we sit in the first week of training camp? No, but I can make the case that they take a step back because of their deeper schedule. The Vikings are better. Aaron Rodgers has a new coach, and that team is better. The division is tougher because of that. They take a step back. The, the Vikings make a run at the playoffs. They have a very good uh, defense and a second year of Kirk Cousins in that system. I could see that happening, and the Bears are the odd team looking out. It doesn't mean that they're not going to win nine or 10 games it just means that you know the vikings were the better team and they maybe won 12 or 13 games that's adam abdallah i'm chris black we're singing for jonathan hood tonight on under the hood on espn 1000 and the espn app ryan pace bears gm got a chance to talk with david kaplan and pat boyle capping company earlier today here's ryan pace i just said to pat to the crowd here i haven't had this much fun being a bears fan since they went to the super bowl in 06 like everyone is really excited is the expectation valid, or should everyone pump the brakes? Where are you on all that? No, we welcome the expectations. You know, I, th- I think 
you feel it coming together? You know, a young a young roster, a lot of talent that's developing, and a head coach to be fired up about. So that's good. What's cool for me is walking around here and seeing all the fans wearing jerseys of our current players, and these are all young core guys that are going to grow in this program. That's that's what's encouraging for me. Now, a year ago, you were sitting under the same tent, and they weren't applauding here as you walked in. The expectations weren't at the level they are right now. We were asking you questions about Roquan's holdout. And unbeknownst to us, maybe a couple people knew, you were negotiating with Oakland for the opportunity to bring a franchise difference-making player in Khalil Mack here. You seem even-keeled all the time. Behind the scenes, a year ago at this time, when you were trying to sift through that that possible deal, what was what was it like for you personally? Yeah, you know, you're right. There was a lot going on last year with Roquan and, and Khalil, and there's not as much drama this camp, um, but that was good drama. And I think we're always looking at avenues to improve the team, whatever avenue that is. And so, you know, we got the preseason claim period coming up, but but last year, you know, that that presented itself and. You know, we've said all along, you know, we're going to be aggressive and operate with no regrets, and, and that was definitely an aggressive move for us that's, that's paid off. The game's different today. It's not three-a-days and two-a-days, and everyone's in pads for six weeks beating the crap out of each other. It's a different world. Yet I look today, and the Chiefs lose a cornerback to an Achilles. The Giants have lost two wide receivers already. We saw A.J. Green go down for Cincinnati. Is that the biggest concern for you as you watch your team? Just keep everyone healthy. Get me to September 5th. You know, I think this this time of year, you're, there's two things. You're thinking about developing your team, developing your players, but then you're right, Cap. That's a, that is a concern. And I think for any team in the league, when you see guys go down this time of year, it's hard. That's hard to see. You know, we do everything we can. You know, it's there's it's, it's there's attrition that takes place, but we feel good too with we're, where we are right now with our strength and conditioning program, nutrition. Andre Tucker, head trainer. I feel like we got that dialed in. But there's some things that are unpredictable, and that's when your depth comes into play. And we, I feel like we have good depth. Elliot Fry and Eddie Pinheiro are off to good starts here down in Bourbon A from the kicking spot. How much has the the process of figuring out who eventually is going to be your starting kicker, how much of that is discussed? Uh, you know, we've got the alternate day situation. We had the, the different tactics that uh, Matt took uh, during OTAs. Uh, is that discussed a lot with you, or do you pretty much leave that up to the coaching staff to figure out how they want to devise that plan? No, we're we're all in that together, so it's discussed daily, and that's uh, that, I mean, obviously that's a focus for us. And right now they're alternating each day, and they they've done well. I think it's good for their confidence to come out here, kick in front of all these fans, and and have that kind of early success. But it's a daily evaluation. Uh, it, the competition brings out the best in all of them. And uh, we're watching that close, you can bet that. As you watch Mitchell, I said on the air last week, I'm tired of reading tweets, oh, he just threw a touchdown pass, or this guy got picked up. Practice used to be practice, and nobody knew what went on. How do you ride the highs and the lows of watching your franchise quarterback? I just think you just you just understand there's going to be a little bit of that with any young, especially that position with any quarterback. And you know, Mitch, you know, strong mindset. You know, and, and he he battles through those moments. And I think for us, that's when we talk about incremental growth. That's all he needs to do is just steady incremental growth and just get better every day and and you know cherish the small victories. And I think Cap, you can feel him comfortable in this offense out there. You feel him being more decisive and quicker with his decisions. And I just think that's year two growth. 
Chase Daniel just told the national media, Albert Breer wrote it, he said, Mitchell Trubisky was learning the offense last year. He's running the offense this year. Yeah, you see him lining guys up. You see him checking out of plays. You see him reading the defense. Those are all things that just happen the more comfortable you get in the offense. Do you feel the sense of urgency to really take advantage of the window you're in right now while Mitchell is in his rookie deal? Yeah, you know, we talk about that. We're mindful of that. It, uh, that allows us to do some things. But I think there's always urgency. Like with, with everything we do, there's always urgency. So for me, I mean, just meeting with our scouts are all in town from all over the country today. We're always going to be pushing it. And, hey, we're on the roster. Can we get better? And never never being complacent or status quo with any, any way we operate. The, uh, Chuck Pagano said, we're going to be aggressive. And I was watching a video this weekend that I had saved on my computer, and it was the late Buddy Ryan. He said, hey, man, we're not going to let you sit back there and pick us apart, and we got the best defense in the history of the sport. And if i got to send eight, I'll send eight. But that's not going to happen. Chuck is that type of mentality. Can you be too aggressive? I don't know. I mean, we operate. I mean, that's how Matt is, too. And I think that the best way to have defensive success is to make the quarterback uncomfortable. You know, and I think and speed up that quarterback's clock. And I think with the pass rushers we have on our team, along with Chuck's creativity, that's going to happen. And I think it's advantage us right now. They don't know what we're going to do on defense, especially in the early part of the season. So Chuck can bring some wrinkles. He's maximizing the personnel we have, and that's going to be fun to watch that play out. You go back to New Orleans with Akeem Hicks. From your perspective, you've seen what he's gone through, how much he's helped foster this group. And I know Mac and other guys get a lot of headlines, but what does Akeem Hicks mean to the ultimate success of this defense? Yeah, I mean, so just watching him from his rookie year to now, he's grown so much in so many ways as a person and obviously as a player. But when you're getting that kind of push up the middle that he does, and then also the run defense that he plays, it's hard. And then you get the speed coming off the edge with 94 and 52. That's that's hard. That's hard to block. So Akeem's just become a really well-rounded player. He's become a great teammate. Um, he works hard. And you see now you see the young guys like Blau Nichols following his lead. And that's awesome to see. There has been a lot of made that Khalil took Leonard under his wing and said, hey, we're going to work out together, and what you do can help me and vice versa. What can you tell us about Leonard? We talk about you know him being a multiplier and uh, or Khalil being a multiplier, and, and, and that's affected Leonard. And Leonard, to me, if I, if I had to point to one player that really stood out in our offseason program is Leonard Floyd. And I think it's a combination of factors. I think Khalil Mack has really helped him. I think Ted Monachino, our new outside linebacker coach, is doing a great job. And I think Leonard's just maturing as a player as well. So um, if he, when he gets rolling, like we know he can, and now he has some counters in his pass rush, that's that's going to be dangerous because we got it coming off both sides. And then you got Aaron Lynch coming in as a third rusher, which is very effective as well. Bears GM Ryan Pace joins us on ESPN 1000 Cap and Company, live from Bourbon A. We're really intrigued with the running back situation. We obviously know what Tariq Cohen can do. You guys went up and got David Montgomery. Uh, the one guy that you went and and sought after in free agency and landed before you drafted Montgomery was Mike Davis. I get this sense that while we talk so much about David Montgomery and he looks to be the perfect fit for Matt's offense, that Mike's, Mike's going to try to accept the challenge here, and it, there's going to be a heck of a battle here in the backfield. I totally agree with you. I feel like there's a lot of hype right now. A lot of Mike's a little under the radar at this moment. He's a good player. We are really excited to get him in free agency. We identified him early and thought that could be in that tier of free agency we could get. He's really well-rounded. Um, he's ta- he's taken on this role. 
uh, just with a really good mindset. As far as these, none of these guys are are selfish. So they, they they're all great teammates, and those three are together all the time, and they can all play off each other. They all bring different things to the table. Uh, but I think Mike Davis is going to be a good player for us. Our pro department did a great job identifying him. And uh, but again, when we get the pads on, and, and especially in the, in the preseason, when you see this guy, these guys going full speed, you're going to feel his value. I, I was talking to a friend of Bobby Massey's, and he said, you know, when you get two, three days from free agency, you're not signing a deal. You can't wait to see what's out there. And he said Bobby actually reached out and said, no, 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 I like it here. I don't want to go anywhere. Let's make a deal. Is that how it went down? Yeah, that's that's what we're finding with players is our you know players wanting to do extensions to stay here. And then, and then what, what changed this free agency cat was guys from other teams calling, hey, we want to be part of this. We want to be part of that culture. We want to be part of what Chicago's got going on. And I think that just that just <laughs> plays in our favor. I and mean, people want to be in a big market city. People want to play for this head coach. People want to be part of this program. That helps us because in the, in the previous years, to be honest with you, it was hard. And sometimes you're overpaying to try to get guys to consider this situation. And now guys are willing to take less and want to come be part I of this. I was doing an event with one of your players. And I said, boy, you had a hell of a year last year. And he looked at me and goes, we don't win a playoff game. What have we accomplished? Do you have that mindset? Same exact mindset. And coach tells them the same thing. Like, last year was great. I think it got the momentum going. I think it helped set the culture. But, yeah, we, what did we really do at the end of it, you know? And so I think that's why this is all ahead of us. I think everybody's locked in. You feel it from the players and the staff. Everybody's got clenched draw and just and just focused on what we got to do and just taking it one step at a time. Uh, tight end Adam Shaheen's dealing with a back issue. Availability has been a, a problem for him in his, in his career early on. How much have you and Matt uh, spoken to Adam about how important this season is for him uh, especially in a, a tight end position that is still a little bit undefined. Yeah, I think we have, and I think Adam Adam understands that. He's, he worked really hard in the offseason. He came in lean, uh, in great shape, and he knows he's got to stay healthy. I mean, he's got all the physical talent in the world, and he's such a big, friendly target for a quarterback. And a guy Mitch can throw open even when he's covered. And so, you know, Adam knows he's got to stay healthy. I think you know, there was a little bad luck last year, but he's in good shape. He tweaked his back a little bit this camp, but I think he'll be back from that quick. And uh, I'm excited to see how he responds. How about HaHa? Any update there? He's, he's really close. He's really close. The two guys we have on PUP, him and TJ Clemmings, they're both really, really close. And Buster Screen, your thoughts on him? He steps into a very key role for your defense. For sure, Cap. You look at it now, you know, Nichols pretty much a starter, you know, and I think he's a guy we've liked for a long time. I mean, we talked about signing him the first free agency he was available my first year here um, he's real natural in the nickel he's quick he's savvy he's instinctive um, and he's done really really well when you look back to when you first got the job how different everything is from the offense you're running the quarterback that you have the facilities though how big a role is that everything has changed it is and you pull into the building now you pull into house hall with such a sense of pride all of us do because the facilities uh, the roster the coaching staff and you can go on to the trainer the head the, the strength and conditioning coach the nutritionist it, all these things come together and you just look around and, and you're just you're really proud of how this thing's been assembled because i think it's built to sustain well, Elliot Fry and Eddie Pinheiro battle it out here in Bourbon A. You guys have said that you're, you know, still looking around the rest of the league for options. Uh, I don't. What are league rules about sending a scout in 
to an open practice for another NFL team? That's a, that's a good question. You can't you can't do that. In, in years past, if a, if a team ever charged for a practice, you could go. So as a pro scout, I would be at a lot of those events. You can't do that now. So, okay. Um, so we but so it's preseason scouting. So for us, you can, you can go to their to their preseason games and sit in the press box, and obviously a lot of film work. But can you get a phone call? You have a friend coaching pick the Seattle. And he says, hey, Ryan, I can't keep this guy. He's a stud. You should take a look at him. Or does that not happen? That happens a little bit, Cap. You know, I think there was a little bit of that with Will Lutz going to New Orleans, Orleans from Baltimore. That, that kind of what you described took place. Um, but I think it's more just our we, our we have a pro scouting department that does a great job. And it's really just tracking these rosters and where that competition is fierce, where there's depth established. And can, can those guys help us? How excited are you, and maybe more importantly, Matt, to see how Cordero Patterson fits in this offense? We know he's certainly going to be an upgrade in the kick return game. Yeah, he's such a versatile and dynamic player. You can do so many different things with him. So if it's kick returner, if it's receiver, if it's running back, and just making sure we maximize his value, which I know Matt's excited about doing. How do you leave your emotional attachment to a guy out of the decision-making process, you like, I really like that guy. I scouted that guy. I drafted that guy. For example, Cam Meredith is a guy you guys brought here. Your doctor said, yeah, I'm not so sure he goes to New Orleans. They released him this morning, and all the tweets are, I guess the Bears were right on their evaluation. How do you leave emotion out of it in any decision? It's, it's hard. I mean, that's a, that's a real question because it's hard to do that. But I think you're always just thinking what's best for the team. So it doesn't matter if, if we drafted him or, or however he was acquired. At the end of the day, what's, just, what's best for the team? Because you'll regret it if you don't do that. So that's that's how I look at it. Your thoughts on Cam? You know, it's, you know I, I, just, I just love the guy. I love the person. I love the player. Um and so I just hope I hope he can you know turn this around and, and, and get in the right direction. I just I mean he's a guy when you think about it, Cap. He came in to our, to a uh, local tryout day for us mm-hmm. and jumped out and our and our scouts identified him and he came in and just worked and worked and worked and uh, I was happy when he got the deal for New Orleans and that was you know it was good. But uh, I just hope he can uh, rebound from this. Ryan, there was a story a week or two ago that was chronicling the deal for Khalil Mack in Oakland. And it basically said, because there were other suitors, that you had to try and convince Oakland that, you know what, there's some uncertainty here, coming off a five-win season, new coaching staff, and you kind of had to sell Oakland that the first-round pick coming back would would be a high pick. Is, is there truth to that story at all? It <laughs> <laughs> was a great breakdown. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of communication going on, so... Uh, I mean, with, with with Coach Gruden and, and Reggie McKenzie at the time, so uh, we, we were talking on a daily basis. But I I just think you know they did what they felt was best. We did what we felt was best, and you know uh, hopefully it works out for both parties. Is it true yeah. that you said to your wife, "We just got Khalil Mack"? And she went, "What?" Yeah. So I came back that night, and she was she was sitting on the couch. This was Friday night. Yeah, and she and I walked in, and it's one of those you know you know typically you know you hey how, how'd work go. And I just said it real nonchalant. Hey, one great, we got Khalil Mack, and she, she's like, what? <laughs> you know. So, I, and I, I remember going to bed that night knowing that you know the next day it was going to hit, and being curious with how the response was going to be. Oh my God, um, it was pretty neat. It broke yeah. on. Schefter literally tweeted it as I was getting in the shower, and I'm like, no freaking way! It was unbelievable. I would love to have seen the GoPro video of 
you in the car with Nagy and the kids <laughs> with the return of Mac playing on the radio as you went to Deer Path Inn to greet him. That, that it, When you look back at your career, that's probably going to be one of those signature moments that you'll always remember. 100%. Yeah, I mean, it, it, this is such a family business. We're together all the time. So to share that with Matt and with his boys, and I'm going to remember that for a long time, too. And I'm, we were just driving there, and the return of the Mac was blaring the whole way. It's about <laughs> it's deer past probably only about 10 minutes from my house. Um, that was a special moment. You're right. In terms of Matt last year, barely used guys in the preseason. He said, I'm getting my guys to the starting gate. Same philosophy this year? Yeah, we're going through that right now, Cap. Just talking. They're all case by case, too. And, you know, who needs a little more work? Who who do we who do we need to be a little careful with? And so it's all case by case. And and I think, you know, in camp, if we have a productive camp, we can control the environment here. But there's a balance. Like we started off with, the biggest thing is to be peaking as you approach week one and to be healthy as you approach week one. That was Ryan Pace on with Cap and Company earlier today on ESPN 1000. I'm Chris Black along with Adam Abdallah singing in for Jonathan Hood tonight on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Coming up next, we talk with Daniel Dopp, ESPN fantasy expert and the co-host of the fantasy show on ESPN+. Plus. We'll get the fantasy outlook for Mitch Trubisky and the Bears offense next right here on ESPN 1000. You're listening to Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Chris Black and Adam Abdallah sitting in for Jonathan Hood tonight on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam A. Abdallah and at Chris Black. And we get a chance now to talk with Daniel Dopp from ESPN. He's the ESPN fantasy expert. He also is a co-host on the fantasy show on ESPN+. Plus. You can follow him on Twitter at Daniel Dopp. And Daniel, let's start things off with this. Uh, if we take a look at the Bears and more specifically Mitch Trubisky, what are you expecting from Mitch Trubisky as he heads into his second year under head coach Matt Nagy? You know, I love Mitch as a quarterback. Um, I, I, I love being able to see him roll out of the pocket, be able to use his legs, extend plays the way that he can, especially using his rushing ability. But, uh, I mean, in all honesty, like with the joke you said, like picking off a pass, coming out of break here, like one of the things that he's going to have to get better at for me from a, from a quarterback perspective, especially in fantasy, is being able to shore up some of the turnovers that he's had, and he's going to have to become a more efficient passer. Um, you know, I, I don't think... From a fantasy perspective, I don't think he's somebody that's going to be anything more than a mid-level QB2 this year. Um, you know, I, I don't view him as a guy that's going to throw 4,500 yards and you know 35 touchdowns or anything like that. Uh, from an NFL perspective, it doesn't bother me. I mean, there's he's absolutely a quarterback that with that Bears defense could could definitely take his team to the playoffs, and, and there have been teams that have obviously won a Super Bowl with much worse quarterbacks that are there, but I love what Mitchell Trubisky can do, but I need to see him take that next step. I wanted him to see it do a little bit more than what he did uh, in his sophomore season. Um, you know, a two-to-one turnover ratio as far as touchdowns and interceptions, it, it, doesn't, it didn't do it for me. I wanted to see a little bit of a, of a bigger step there. And part of that is because of the other weapons that he had around him in Chicago. You know, I've never really felt like he's had like that true number one guy that he can look to when he gets into a bad situation. And you guys can tell me if you disagree with me, but, you know, I love Allen Robinson, but he's legitimately only had one true good NFL season. 
Do you think that I'm crazy with this? No, and that was going to be my next question to you is how much does Trubis- your outlook on Trubisky affect your outlook on Allen Robinson, who's finally f- who's going to have a fully healthy offseason and coming into camp fully healthy and, and his second year with Trubisky? Yeah, I mean, I, I would love to see A-Rob be everything that we know that he can be and everything that we did see from him. In that 2015 season with the Jaguars, when he had 1,400 uh, yards, 14 touchdowns, the dude has all of the skills and all of the gifts to be able to be that guy. Uh, but he's going to have to be, you know, at 6'3", you know, but around 210, like he's got that body to be able to help Mitch out and be that guy that can make big plays in the red zone, be able to extend drives for them, but... They are going to have to work together, and it's going to have to be a little bit of a sympathetical relationship here where in order for Mitch to get better as a quarterback, Allen Robinson is going to have to be that guy that can be a number one that Mitch can look to. And in all honesty, for for Allen Robinson to be able to be that number one that Mitch needs, Mitch is going to have to take the next step to be able to help A-Rob. So it's a little bit of a of a cyclical relationship with those two guys. Daniel Dopp, ESPN Fantasy Expert, talking with Chris Buck and Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Daniel, when you take a look at this defense, I think a lot of people assume the Bears defense will be really good again this year. But if you take a look at teams in the past that led the NFL in takeaways, usually that doesn't necessarily translate to the following year. Do you expect the same thing from the Bears defense, especially from a fantasy perspective from last year last year to this year? Nope, you hit it exactly on the head, and that does not at all mean that the Bears will not be an incredibly good defense again this year because I fully expect them to be. But you are 100% right. From a fantasy perspective, it's really difficult for teams who led the league last year in turnovers or finished inside the top three from a fantasy perspective to be able to duplicate that. It is so difficult to be that good at defense in the NFL, especially in a passing league the way that it is. Obviously, with you guys having Khalil Mack, like anything is possible with a dude like that. I mean, him and Roquan, I just, your guys' defense is scary. And as somebody that grew up in Michigan and has been a Lions fan my whole life, I know I shouldn't say that. I dread playing you guys twice a year from that perspective. So this defense is going to be really good. Um, I don't think it will be top three. It has all of the pieces to be able to be a top three fantasy defense again. It is just really hard statistically to be able to replicate what it is that you did in the previous year. And it's, I could very well be wrong, but we saw that last year with the Jaguars. The Jaguars were still a really good defense. They had all, all, almost all of the same pieces come back. They added people, and they still weren't able to do what they had done in a couple of years past because it's just so difficult in today's NFL to be able to be that consistently good on defense year in and year out. The Bears completely revamped their running back room this offseason. Tariq Cohen's probably going to be the feature back. You've got Mike Davis. How do you think that they rank amongst the other running backs in the uh, in the NFL? You know, I, I would love actually, I know you guys asked me this question. I would love to hear you guys tell me what this is because I get so frustrated when Tariq Cohen does not get utilized more <laughs> game in and game out. It's like I will watch him put up a fantastic game you know, he's, he's utilized a bunch. They, you guys find him ways to get him involved in the passing game. And then it's like the following week, it's like he's completely disappeared and he's nowhere to be found. Why does that happen on this offense with a guy that is such a shifty playmaker that you just want to, you need to manufacture touches, touches for him and get the ball in his hand? Can you tell me why this happens in Chicago? Because it drives all of us 
fantasy managers crazy. Yeah, you know, and the one thing that really drove a lot of us crazy uh, over the course of the offseason was the fact that Tariq Cohen touched the ball four times in the wildcard game against the, the Eagles. So the one thing we've talked a lot, Daniel, about here in Chicago is whether or not it's on Matt Nagy to get him the ball more or our defense is keying in on him, thus taking him away completely and then going to the point of maybe Tariq Cohen is just a gadget player and not a player you can rely on in a tough spot like a playoff game when you only get four touches. Yeah, and that's tough. I mean, when I look at a player like that, I mean, it's it's really difficult to be his size and be super heavily utilized in the NFL. He's, what, 5'6", maybe 180 pounds, yeah. maybe. So, you know, he can't take a huge beating game in and game out, and so I totally understand you have to save his body. But I'm just, I'm that guy that has always felt like when you have someone that is that dynamic and that explosive of a playmaker, you find ways to put the ball in his hands. I get it. You don't want him to run between the tackles all that often? Not a problem. But there are guys out there like Theoretic and Duke Johnson and Giovanni Bernard, guys who... The PPR running backs of the past that that teams will utilize just in the passing game and very little in the running game, and you only need four or five different ways to be able to put the ball in their hand, whether it's screen passes, whether it's having them roll out in the flat. Maybe you have them, you know, roll out and and, and line up in the slot, and then now you've got them against a linebacker over the middle of the field. I don't care how you do it, but he should absolutely be getting. 10 to 12 touches a game, in my opinion, at a bare minimum, unless there is some kind of an injury thing that we need to know about, which I don't, I don't believe there is, he has to get the ball in his hands because he is such a dynamic player for you guys on offense. And for Mitch, in my opinion, he's a guy that can easily extend plays, especially on third down. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say to you is that it's more, I, I think it's also on Mitch. He had 71 receptions uh, last season. So it's it's also on, it's on Nagy to get him involved, but it's also on Mitch to not just, you know, look around the field, not see anybody open and just tuck and run and kind of wait for, for Cohen if he's in that slot to get open because he's so fast and try to w- wait and be patient and step up in that pocket and maybe hit him instead of just Trubisky relying on his legs. So it's also, I think everybody just kind of needs to develop more and hopefully then we'll see more of Tariq Cohen in the <laughs> offense. Totally, totally. And this is where I said, you know, I love what he, what Mitch brings to the game as a quarterback, especially as a young quarterback. But it, this growing process, that maturation process, really needs to happen with Mitch before it can happen with everybody else. And it's not that these other guys can't, you know, be involved and can't grow and, and put together really good seasons while he's there, but. He has to be the leader to take that step forward in order to lead everyone else in the offense forward this season. I felt that way last year about Trey Burton, where you know we were all really excited in the fantasy community about Trey coming over and all right, Trubisky is going to have a, a, a great target, you know, the tight end to be able to be a safety valve and to be able to do this and to do that. And it just felt like it never really transpired. And I think you know, just like we're talking about with Trey Cohen, part of that is on the player. I think part of that is on Burton himself. Part of that is on Trubisky to be able to find him. And part of that is on Matt Nagy to be able to draw plays to, again, utilize a player that has a, a great skill set at a position. You know, the tight end position is not a deep position in the NFL. And especially from a fantasy perspective, there's, you know, a handful of guys that are really superstars, quote unquote. And you can still, I, I mean, Trey Burton should absolutely be a top seven tight end but I'm not sure that he's going to put it together with the disappointing season that we 
saw from him last year. And unless Mitch takes that step forward, which could absolutely happen, I was I was disappointed to not see him be more involved like we were happy for. And so, you know, he's a little bit farther down my radar this year. I totally agree with you, Daniel. Thank you for the time this morning. We appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. That's Daniel Dopp. We uh, talked to him yesterday morning on Black and Abdallah on Sunday mornings from 8 to 10 right here on ESPN 1000. Chris Black and Am Abdallah singing for Jonathan Hood tonight on Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and ESPN app. Ezekiel Elliott, has he is holding out right now from training camp. He has not showed up to Dallas Cowboy training camp yet. How long will he hold out, and should the Cowboys pay him? That's next. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Chris Black and Am Abdallah sing in for Jonathan Hood tonight. Thanks to Sean Davis and Eric Ostrowski for producing tonight's show. Thank you to J.J. Stankovitz for joining us earlier with a Bears report down from Bourbon A. You can listen to the podcast from Under the Hood on the ESPN app under the Chicago section and also on ESPNChicago.com. Abdallah, did you see this today that Jerry Jones talking about Ezekiel Elliott? He was quoted in saying, the point is you don't have to have a rushing champion to win a Super Bowl. Emmett was the first to do it, but you don't need a number one running back to win a Super Bowl in today's NFL. Uh, I, I would agree with him that you don't need a number one running back to win a Super Bowl in today's NFL. Look at the Patriots and what they've been able to do, but this is a special type of running oh, back. Oh, but you say that for each and every one that gets paid and then they disappoint. Uh, does every does every running back make their quarterback, thirty their uh, play action passing 30% better? When Zeke gets 23 or more touches, they win. When he doesn't, they lose. Does that did we say that about every single running back? Do we no. say that about Jordan Howard? Do we say that about Jordan Howard? No, you don't. But okay. Ezekiel it is is what ten times better than that's, Jordan Howard. That's what I'm saying. I, but he's still a running back. I mean, Ty Gurley makes Jared Goff, but then you get to the playoffs, and then all of a sudden, Ty Gurley can't even get on the field. And, and so, like it, the Cowboys are in a tough spot because you're right, Abdal. The stats point to. Dak Prescott being a more successful quarterback when Ezekiel Elliott is on the field. Mm -hmm. But you can't pay both, and you shouldn't pay the running back a high-level contract because we all know how it works in the NFL. Pay the quarterback, get a new running back in a year. Let it Just let it happen. If he's going to hold out, you're going to have to get a new guy at some point anyway. Jason Fitz brought up a good point this morning on Golik and Wingo and said, is it going to be worth eventually? Are we going to see a reverse and it going to be worth NFL franchises to take running backs in the first round again because you get that extra year and you could have them for up to six years with all the franchise tagging you could do and then you can get rid of them after six years and you don't have to pay them more than a rookie deal. Or you can do what most teams do and just draft a quarterback in the third or fourth round every couple of years and just yeah. be done with it. You could do that too. It's a disposable position. It Unfortunately, is. that's is. what it is. It is. Um, Eric Ostrowski was talking to us earlier uh, about 20 minutes ago, and he, he asked us uh, an, an interesting question. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I want to ask you, what is more annoying? When someone claps at the end of a movie or when they clap when they land a plane? You, you guys know what I'm talking about. There's always the people when the plane lands who clap like this is the first time in a human pl- history that a plane has landed safely. It's a plane or, a thousand times. It's a plane or, or a the person at the times. end of a movie that claps. It's a plane a oh, thousand the times. Over. All no, right. because here's the thing. When you clap at the end of a movie, you're applauding someone's art. You're applauding the director. You're applauding the actors, the actresses. You're applauding everybody involved with the movie that made that production. When you clap for somebody, do you clap when you get home if 
after. You take an Uber. I'm taking an Uber at the end of the show. Am I going to clap when I get to my destination because the guy did his job and got me home safely? No. And that's what a pilot does. A pilot gets does their job and gets you from point A to point B safely. Now, is it a performance? Some of them have jokes before the flight starts. I understand that. They use it to try out their stand-up mic, routine. Man. I get that. I, 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 I can understand that. But to me, it's the plane by far. On behalf of pilots everywhere... I'm sorry. Uh, I think it's offensive that you think there's no art form in flying a plane. No, and that I don't they, want they are not doing something that deserves up, applause. I want up, steady, and down. That's it. I don't want art. I don't need. I don't need. Can, can I ruin it for you? The, can yeah. I ruin it for you? You know that the computers are doing it anyway. They're, they're just kind of there. Oh, pilots go after Chris. Black and Abdallah, have a great night. Oh, what?